It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network and part of the Waiting for Next Year community. You will hear this on Thursday, the 22nd of September. We used to say Friday. It's Thursday tomorrow, and I'm your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, alongside Dr. Mitch. Uh, last week, it was just Ethan and I, just the farmer and me. Uh, this week, it's just you and me, Mitch. Uh, someday, the three of us will come together again. Uh, but it is not this day, as yeah. everyone yeah, would say. Like we got to go back to the Lord of the Rings. That's what we did. Last time it was you and me, we had Lord of the Rings talk. We had Derek Jeter talk. So uh, we just finished our uh, Return of the King a couple weeks ago on our rewatch. So I, I, I had a moment, and I, and I took my Aragorn moment there. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I, you're definitely the Aragorn of way for next year, Gers. I, I appreciate that. I like the I like that that feeling. So, how are you doing tonight, Mitch? Uh, you know, you know, just you know, getting by one day at a time. I'm just like any baseball player will tell you. Right. Yeah. It is. We're we are deep in September and we are running a little little uh, slow here. I'm sure. So. But, yeah, that's right. We um just got through a tough tough class in school and I uh, didn't get a weekend because we had the Monday exam. So I've been kind of like running. One or two fewer cylinders than normally, really. Right. Get a, we're we're getting there. We're getting through it. So, but yeah. uh, you know, it's it, it's that it's this time of year that's it's both great and both exhausting for people who are, are fans of multiple sports because we have we're doing this on a Wednesday night in the middle of a series, which you normally don't do. We usually try to wait for the end of a series, but with the Browns playing tomorrow on on Thursday night football, I. Wanted to get this uh, get this in and done, and I didn't want to do it on Friday uh, for a Saturday podcast. So, uh, yeah, this is what we're doing tonight. But you got, you know, Sundays are Sundays are Browns days. Right now, we're in the middle of a playoff run with, uh, with the Guardians. So every day yeah. seems to be a, a busy day of something. So that's right. And then it's a few short weeks before cap season starts. It's pretty exciting. We could have yes. Uh, I can say I. I know. I know. With uh, the, I was already probably going to be a little bit more into Cavs this year, even before the Donovan Mitchell trade. But that really like helps put some some more oomph into the uh, the excitement. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Cleveland's a title town. Title town, USA. Uh, title town. Yeah. The the north the the north comes through Cleveland. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The AL Central runs through Cleveland. I think uh, the East clearly runs through Cleveland. I mean. Except, except for Milwaukee and Boston and Philly and Atlanta and Wow, we used to skip. But this is not a basketball podcast. No, it's not. But you can find all of your Cleveland gear at breakingtea.com backslash wfny. 
I know that's a nice little pull there for you. Yeah. Uh, the whole bunch of Cleveland stuff on there. They have the updated uh, Cleveland Spiders shirt for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, as you said, this is a this is a Guardians baseball podcast. So there is the uh, the Guardiac Kids. Your Jose, Jose, Jose. There's a King Quan shirt. If you scroll down a little bit, who hit a home run tonight? Uh, should be getting more Rookie of the Year buzz, but you know we'll let him. Uh, we'll we'll let Adley Rushman and uh, uh, Julio Rodriguez fight that one out. Those are going to be two guys to, that are hard to uh, to fight about. But um, again, it's breakingtea.com backslash wfny. Uh, find all of your Cleveland gear there. Uh, Brown stuff, Guardian stuff, Cavs stuff. Get loaded up. Get ready for the playoff run for the uh, for the guards. Uh, knock on whatever wood you need to knock on there for that. So, wow, they're quick. Uh, they already have a Cade York shirt already. Yes, yes, they have a uh, Cade called game uh, shirt on there. That's uh, it was great. So I, I made a choice this morning to wear my Jose 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 shirt. I know we are not on a video podcast, but I wanted to actually wear a Breaking Tea. Uh, shirt. I have a couple of them now, and I wanted to make sure I wore at least one uh, while I was recording a podcast. Thanks, you. Really, uh, really shows off the boyish figure. Yep, yep. The uh, the the dad bod that I have that I'm rocking right now. That's where we're at. So, all right. Well, uh, as we as I said, we are in the middle of a game. Uh, we are watching uh, the Guardians go up six one on the White Sox. Uh, just give you a quick playoff run. We are is it is it ten games or is it nine games? Is the magic number? I I believed it was ten, but I've heard nine today because uh, the Guardians were able to get the tiebreaker. Yeah, Do you know is it nine, nine or ten? Yeah, I think okay. It's nine. Um, yeah, and if they hold on today, it's seven. Yeah. So I mean, we're getting we're getting way way close to this uh, this playoff chase being. You know, the division being locked up, um, the good thing with magic numbers is they never get bigger. So uh, this whole series, it was they, they count as double. And uh, it, it's looking, I don't want to claim anything. If if this weekend has shown us anything, that there's no lead that uh, is is secure until it's done. But Cleveland is up 6-1 to one in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, Tristan McKenzie's on the mound, already has 7Ks. So... Um, Looking like another great game for for him and for the uh, for the guards. Mm-hmm. He um, just got out of the fifth, so good job. He's, he's had a quite quite a low number of pitches too for being in the fifth inning. So, so uh, yeah, he can take it deep and uh, you know save some bullpen after last night's nice long one. Yes, I'm gonna say the the 15 inning and the 11 inning last night kind of put a little damper on some things, but you know they're we're doing we're doing all right. Yeah, no, I, I mean. We're doing all right. If uh, uh, if the Guardians end up losing after last night's tough call at the plate, I think it might have been a you know an instigator for change. Like that was such a big call that they got wrong in such a big moment. Um, right. Obviously, I'm glad they won, but I think baseball really needs to look into like doing something where plays at the plate are like homers, and you don't need a challenge to ask about them, or like. The NFL scores are automatically. Yeah, all scores are challengeable. All scores are already reviewed. You don't have to worry about that. Right. I know. It seems like scoring's, you know, very important in baseball, too, obviously. Like, there's a close play at the play, but you want to get it right. So, and bad job, bad job out of the umpiring crew last night. Oh, and Terry Francona deserves 
for some of the blame. That was a pretty lousy challenge she had earlier in the, a couple of innings before. Yeah, I like you said, I I I was uh, asleep during that game. The rain delay kind of did me in, but um, I, I did see the uh, the replays of things today, and yeah, that was a that was a pretty rough call. Um, but I do agree with you. I do think that you know run scoring instances should just be reviewed. I don't know why they would need to, you know, not be, but that's fine. Right. And unlike the NFL, like 95% of them wouldn't need to be reviewed, you know, like most of the time, this would not be an, like this would not add significant time to games. And it would ensure that that plays to the play. The most important play is in the game, get called correctly. Um, it seems like a no brainer to me. Um, hopefully they, they do something about that. Yeah. Who knows? All right, uh, well, let's get some news and notes. Uh, we had some news today uh, regarding the roster. Um, Richie Palacios uh, was optioned back to uh, AAA Columbus, and uh, Big Earn, Ernie Clement, was DFA'd to make room for Will Brennan, uh, and Gabriel uh, Arias was called up for, uh, took the place of Richie Palacios on the roster. Um, Will Brennan was not on the 40 man. He is now obviously on the 40 man with the, uh, uh, DFA of Ernie Clement, which kind of solves the thing that, uh, the team was going to have to do in the off season. Um, they were going to have to, you know, we were trying to debate what they were going to do with some of this, uh, roster. If they were going to make a room for Brennan or if they were going to try to just squeak him through the rule five. Um, I'm glad they didn't. I don't think he would have lasted. I think he would have gotten picked by somebody. Um, but uh, so Will Brennan made his debut tonight. Uh, he is one for two on the on the evening. One for three on the evening. Uh, already has a hit and already has an RBI. So, um, Mitch, what do we uh, what do we expect from Brennan going forward? Uh, just as, as the rest of this week, um, we can talk about his playoff eligibility, which I think is actually in. in there has been no firm thing said about his playoff eligibility, so I don't know if he if this is just going to be a two two week tryout for him for next year and a way for him to be locked into the forty man, um, or if this is going to be something that we could use the the team could use him in the playoffs. But yeah, no. what do you expect from Will Brennan? Well, quickly regarding his playoff eligibility, I think no one knows yet. It really just comes down to um, when his case gets sent to the commissioner's office um i've seen some speculation that the fact that ghost is on a 60 day um they haven't you know there's a possibility that you know his spot could be taking that place i don't know uh but will brennan is an interesting player um i've seen him described as kind of like a quan light and i think there's something to that um although i hesitate to uh, compare anyone to the, the illustrious Stephen kwan um but yeah no He's kind of a guy who, in the minors this year, hasn't struck out very much. Exhibits pretty decent eye at the plate. Doesn't swing and miss a lot, a little more often than Stephen Kwan, as most people do. Um, and yeah, he has very good numbers in the minors. Just split between double and triple A this year um, in his age 24 season. So, you know, certainly an interesting player, a player that the projections like. Um, yeah, and some someone certainly, you know, could make a difference on this roster um you know he's not a guy that the scouts have picked out he wasn't on any prospect list coming into the season um but you know that's not always meaningful steve 
wasn't on many either, and some guys get discriminated uh, against by based on their size. Um, so yeah, no, I'm consciously optimistic, but it seems like the Guardians all of a sudden have this ability to print these interesting AAA hitters. It's like, like oh, so-and-so that you've never heard of, or like so-and-so who you thought was like a failed prospect, is like hitting like 320 with 15 homers in Triple A this year, and he completely forgot about him. Uh, so, you know, he's just the next in that line, and maybe he goes Oscar Gonzalez, and maybe he goes Will Benson. Like, who knows? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how often they use uh, Will Brennan, just because they have not used Will Benson basically at all. Um, even when Miles Straw was, was going through his his rough period. Benson was a guy that they could have been plugging in and, and using a little bit more. Um, they have Brendan starting in right field tonight. They have Oscar Gonzalez at DH. I think that's the best use of both of those. Brennan was a, was the center fielder um, in Columbus for the most time, most part. Um, obviously Miles straw is uh, hitting better. And as, as I've said, uh, and that will uh, we'll talk about that later on. But I like Brendan in, in right field. That's that is as good a defensive outfield I think as possibly there is in the majors. Quickly, mm. I mean that's a it's a bold statement for yeah. a guy who's got three at three at bats. But you know, uh, just like to say some things sometimes. But uh, um, that's a pretty good defensive outfield for Brennan and uh, uh, Brennan and right and Oscar at DH. It does keep Owen Miller out of the lineup um, because Oscar obviously is a right-handed bat. Owen's a right-handed bat. Um, Brennan hits from the left side. So there's there's some possibility there of, of making some of those switches. But um, it'll be interesting to see how the, how much they use him going down. I would imagine that if he is up, he's going to hit because he's going to be get played just because they wouldn't really call this guy up for nothing. But again, same kind of thing. They haven't really used Will Benson, so it, it remains to be seen. When I've seen some speculation regarding Will Benson, um, that was a nice catch by Andrew Vaughn there. Um, no, I've seen some speculation with Will Benson that he was scheduled to be a minor league free agent after this season, so they brought him onto the forty-man roster to avoid that. Whereas with Will Will Brennan and, and with Benson, I'm not sure whether or not they see him as a major league talent at this point. Like, he's ready for the major leagues. They've really used him as, like, a pinch runner, um, defensive replacement, uh, just guys, you know, a guy to spell Quan in a, you know, day off for a DH day for him. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's how they'll use Will Brennan because there was nothing, you know, obviously they needed to add him to the 40 uh, to avoid him getting selected in the Rule 5 draft. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know why they would make this move without playing him. Um, and it gives them the opportunity to uh, make Oscar Gonzalez the DH, uh, which is maybe for the best. 
Uh, his defense is yeah. not the best. Yeah, Oscar Gonzalez has recently uh, gotten the full dot treatment on Savant, and uh, I was surprised at how this is not an Oscar. This is not on my sheet, so I apologize for throwing you Oscar Gonzalez stuff here. Um, I was surprised at how much um, how much white there was on Oscar Gonzalez's uh, Savant. I thought there would be way more red, way more blue. Way more, way more bigs and way more uh, uh, lows, but um, his sprint speed in the outfield was uh, not good, and so it doesn't. It makes sense that he's, uh, you know, more it aimed more towards a, a DH than a uh, outfielder. His sprint speed is good on the base pass, I believe. Is that what it, is that what this watch says? Or am I? Yeah, wrong I mean, his, his his sprint speed is good, but his numbers defensively, they don't like him. No. Um, what the exact numbers are, whether it's 14th percentile or 28th percentile, it's like that's pretty iffy, you know, based on the smallest sample size. But it's not a good thing that he is, you know, in the 14th percentile by that stat. And, you know, I don't think the, the metrics at Fangraphs like him very much either. I mean, he's just, and, and, you know, with the eye test, sometimes you think a guy looks good and he's not actually, but it's like pretty clear that just watching. Gonzalez. He does not look comfortable in the outfield. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I'm and if this if Brennan is up is to you know get, keep Oscar's bat in the lineup while also providing better outfield defense, that's great. I'm okay with that, you know, as long as he's as long as he's producing as well. Um so yeah, I, I'm okay with it. What do you think uh Gabe Arias is gonna is going to do. Is he going to basically be the Ernie Clement like break glass in case of emergency? Uh, you know, he's been playing mostly first base and outfield yeah. um, as of late, so it's a little interesting that uh, his usage in AAA. I, but um, where you see whatever it, uh, whatever it is that the, uh, um, him playing left field in first base um, is is really that they're trying to up his versatility to allow him to be able. To play every infield position and, and some of the corner outfield positions, like you suggested. Um, it does seem like they want him to kind of be that, that replacement for Clement on this team, which is interesting. They have Tyler Friedman too, and he seems like a good fit for that as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm kind of confused. It seems like there's a logjam where we are kind of running into this long suspected or long awaited logjam of middle field prospects and they're they're kind of it seems like figuring it out on the fly which is fine um but yeah no i have, have to imagine the reason he was playing in left field in first base is not because they plan to play at those positions exclusively in the major leagues but rather so that he can play third and short and second and first and left field um and you know if, i guess if they need him probably right field as well although you know that seems less likely Yeah, no, I mean, the, sure. the other thing about um, him is that he, um, you know, a lot of, he's got a lot of raves about his defense. So if he, you know, I have not watched him play that much. He got a cup of coffee in the majors, and I, I kind of slacked on watching the minors that much this year. Uh, um, but, you know, if he has that feel for fielding, plus his raw tools, which are, like, plainly evident if you just, like, watch him at all, um, he could be, like, a really, really impactful utility fielder um and then the bat, bat coming is 
it's less important to make him a useful major league player. Um, now, if the bat comes, and he's also an elite fielder at multiple positions, I mean, now we're talking about like a real valuable major league baseball player. But even if he doesn't reach that peak, like having him be able to play all those positions is very, very useful. Yeah, I I do think they there's a, they're obviously we've we've long as you said you've we've long talked about this log jam and, and it's it's happening now in the in the in the majors instead of in the minors where in the middle of a playoff race so it's just interesting to see what they are what they are doing with some of these guys um, I do think I, I am okay with having Arias be the uh, the backup backup utility infielder, I guess, much more than I prefer Ernie, just because I feel like the error bars are a little bit broader. There's a there's a way higher ceiling for Arias than Ernie. The floor might possibly be the same, uh, but you know, um, if, if nothing else with with Arias, it's probably a higher floor. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, it just guys, it just guys that you hope never actually get to see. Basically, is the ceiling is way higher. And like, you know, we, we don't talk about the soft stuff as much, or, or maybe it's become a trope that we say that we don't talk about the soft stuff uh, enough, and we actually do. But regardless, I mean, I think there probably is some value in saying like, hey, 22-year-old like prospect who has all, all these tools and is really interesting, like come, come up and be a part of this team. Come up and like learn from the guys in this clubhouse. You know, these are basically his peers, right? Except they've been here the whole season, um, right? So, so there's that, that as well. You know, do you like you want this guy to be a part of like a winning culture going forward? So, like, might as well if you can find like real utility for him on the team, like, might as well do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. That's why I thought they were gonna. That's why I thought Bo Naylor might be the call up, one of the call ups today, just to like get him in and and working with. Hedges and Luke Maley, and just to like have a two week tryout, you know, two week audition of, of time. But yeah. you know, I'm okay. I'm okay if that doesn't happen. Yeah, it, it, I mean, being a third catcher is a little different too because you're less likely to get much playing time. And then the other thing is like it could also be a testament to you know a positive feeling about, about Bo Naylor or a George Valera um, from this team or a Brian Rocchio, where it's like we want these to have real spots like from day one or, or early in the season. We don't want, want them to kind of be in this like backup role. We want them to be our stars and maybe there's something there. Um, like why call George Valera up to be like when you want they did with Juan. to be like an MVP challenger in five years. So, I don't know. Like, I, maybe I'm just like sometimes I do this where it's like I think this front office is really smart and like I think the manager is really good at interacting with people, and I think they really, really know what they're doing. So I often am like, okay, well, I start at the fact that they, they know what they're doing and they have a good reason, and, and then I try and logic, okay, what was the reasoning? Why did they do this? Um, so that's kind of where I, I fall. It's like Rokio and Valera are too important, and Naylor too important to just have a playing once or twice a week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, they they did that with Quan. They didn't really bring him up at all last year, and then this year they 
brought him up at the very beginning and, and basically gave him a spot. So um, it's possible that we'll, that's what we'll see next year. So, okay. Uh, uh, let me do one more news and notes. Uh, Zach Plezak working his way back from the uh, broken hand suffered by punching the mound. Five pitch uh, sim game this week. They, there's talk of him making a rehab start next week. Um, that would be pretty much right before Columbus is done. Um, I truly thought that Zach Plezak was going to be done with this. Or, or this organization was going to be done with Zach Plezak that uh, we would really probably never see him again in a Guardians uniform. Um, it, they are in the middle of a playoff push, though. So it, it would it, having Plezak do what we kind of thought he was going to do and be in the, in the bullpen might actually work out really well uh, to be a, a two or three inning, you know, fireman, you know, once through the lineup kind of a guy uh, coming in and, and pitching behind Zavale, who's been injury prone or, you know, Bieber and just completely changing some of the looks around in the playoffs. Um, it makes sense for that to happen. So I, I, I'm here for it. And I think Zach's, Stuff definitely plays up. We, we like I said, we've long talked about him being a possible bullpen arm. Um, so it, it's that seems to be where they're going with it, uh, and seems to be the path that they're they're treading. Um, I, 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 like I said, I really thought that with this being the second time in two years he's broken a, a, a pitching hand doing something, doing something stupid. Uh, whether whether or not the aggressively removing his shirt was a was a legitimate thing that actually happened, or if that was a organization trying to save face for a player and making up a uh, tall tale, uh, we'll never actually know until you know. Please act probably leaves the organization or uh, somebody gets a book deal. Who knows? I have no idea. But um, I really thought after this after this two years that he was going to be done. And uh, it seems as though he's not. And uh, so uh, what, do you, what do you have on, on Zach here? Right. I mean, not to pile on the guy, but it's really been three years in a row where he's right. something to jeopardize the team. Yes. Uh, in the pandemic short season, he like went out with Mike Clevenger and broke policy and had to um, get suspended and he apologized and he made this stupid apology video with his seatbelt unbuckled while while driving, he filmed himself apologizing. Um, he just, he, he just, he is a bit of a knucklehead, and it, it does seem like, um, yeah, it, it wouldn't have shocked me if the Guardians didn't wipe their hands clean of him. But yeah, I mean, I think having a fifth starter in the bullpen is valuable in Major League Baseball. Um, and, and so, so um, yeah, especially in the Playoffs, like say, uh, Cal Quantrill, your third or fourth starter, just doesn't have it. He gives up a couple of runs. Two innings later, um, you know, instead of giving up five runs in four innings, you pull him after two, and and you put Zach Lee in to get some outs. Um, having that guy is very valuable. Yeah, I I like the I, the idea of that, and like I said, the the extra looks there, um, a different looks. Cal's obviously a different pitcher than Plezak. Um, all of the guys really are are completely different kind of guys. They don't really have um, as much as they have a um, a type, I guess, 
for hitters. Um, they really don't have one for pitchers. So it's kind of interesting to see that, you know, they could maybe just change up how they, how they do the rotation and, and the bullpen. So, um, but yeah, Josh I, 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 what was that? Josh Naylor just hit a two run homer. God, I love that man. He's, he is single-handedly, uh, just ending the White Sox season. So, um, all right. Uh, and now is a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. At, at Waiting for Next Year, we take mental health very seriously. It's one of the reasons we have not had as many episodes this year, giving ourselves breaks when we need to. Taking care of yourself is incredibly important, and not enough people consider their mental health important. I have no issue in telling you that counseling and therapy has saved my marriage, made me a better father, and honestly saved my life. If you are thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey, and you can switch therapists at any time. When you want a better, when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com/wfny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com/wfny. Why? So I wanted to bring up some interesting things that we interesting items uh, because I love alliteration. Uh, just so there's some things. Um, Ethan couldn't be with us, but he gave us some stats. Uh, as I mentioned in the uh, above, uh, Miles Straw is coming to life in September. Um, so this uh, all these sets come straight from Ethan before tonight's game. Three thirty eight, four hundred, four twenty six, triple slash line so far in September. Uh, he's had five extra base hits and three stolen bases. Um, that's uh, in the month of September. That's a 140 WRC plus. Uh, he's finally starting to get his walk rates and K rates stabilized a little bit. 9.3 walk rate and a 12% K rate on this uh, in the month. Um, and his hard hit is up actually 10%, 10 points uh, this month to a 35.5. His pull rates up 15%. Um, 40 it's a 40 percent in september um he seems to be coming back uh to what he was before uh he seems to be having a problem get that um he seemed to be he seemed to be going the opposite way too much in the early goings of the season and him being able to pull the ball and get that ball down the left field line get some doubles it's obviously not his it's not his game to be a power hitter. It's his game to get on base and the walks are coming in. He's hitting a little, he's hitting better, obviously. So those things are there. What else are you seeing from Miles Straw um, in September that seems to be uh, getting him to this point again? Yeah. I mean, the big thing, the, the big thing you mentioned it, it's the pull rate. I mean, he's basically you're using two thirds of the field. You, he's hitting, he doesn't have any power, so he's just hitting these kind of like fly balls. Uh, he's only using two thirds of the field, so it's really easy to defend. If you look at his monthly pull rates in WRC Plus in the um, in March, April, he had a 125 WRC Plus and he pulled the ball 34.5% of the time. Then in the next, in May, June, July, and August, he was at 13.9, 27.8, 22.6, and 18.8%. So very Frequently was he pulling the ball um, and his WRC pluses, which again, 100 is average. Um, so every point 
below is you know one percent below average and etc um in may was 53 june was 21 july 95 and then august was a absolutely hellish negative 46. uh yes and like you said he is back up pulling the ball um to you know he's pulling the ball to left field over 40 percent of the time this month uh and his wrc plus is a uh, season high uh, uh 140 in the month of september so he is absolutely crushing it he has been the best player at the guardians over this hot streak they've had in the last two weeks uh no one has been more valuable by fangraphs war this episode is supported by fx's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 clippers owners racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world the series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league starring lawrence fishburne Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Uh, over the past two weeks, then Miles Straw, um, he made an awesome sliding catch in left center field today. Um, it's just like, this is the guy that they extended. Um, you know, you don't expect a 140 WRC plus uh, from him, but even just like the league average hitter. Uh, plus elite defense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just exciting. It's exciting to get this guy back because when he is uh, hitting well, he is, you know, he is kind of Quan-esque. He is very uh, um, pesky and runs the base as well and hits liners all over the place. Um, yeah, it's great to see. And hopefully, um, you know, Strauss keeps it going into October because he is another weapon uh, that this team desperately needs. Um, to compete in the postseason. Yeah, I, I obviously we want him to do well. Um, really hoping that he, I like him in the nine hole still. I like him. Uh, uh, I, I wish he was able to get more at, uh, play appearances higher in the lineup. But I like Tito has always liked using this like pseudo leadoff hitter at at nine guy with some speed to help set up the top end of the uh, the lineup as it comes all around again. Um, so it's, it's, I, I like him being down there cause it helps out a guy like Juan uh, get some RBIs, um, which obviously it's all just stats. It's all just, you know, stupid numbering stats, but the, the lineup is better when people are on base and it doesn't matter where they're hitting. It just matters that they're on base. And he's been able to do that much better in September. Um, I truly think that he has been nursing an injury all year, and that's what was happening over the that that you know month stretch. We'll probably find out something in the winter. We're like, oh yeah, uh, I was dogging this all year, and now I'm finally feeling healthy again. You know, once September hit, I started feeling better, and those kind of things. Um, but we might uh, we might not ever know. Who knows? Yeah, no, I I think I saw. Something Meisel wrote maybe that he, he um, made an adjustment to his stance to allow, allow him to pull the ball a little better. Maybe there's something to that. Uh, I'd have to dig in a little, a little bit, look at some video, and see if there's anything there. Um, but yeah, no, certainly interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, for like three months of the year, he was terrible and um, he didn't pull the ball at all. And it's not like he didn't know this. It's not like the team didn't know this. It's not like they just were like, Hey, Miles, we see you aren't pulling the ball. You should try doing that. And he was like, what? 
and then he's did it, did it and now he's amazing? Like, no, that's obviously not what You know what? You're right. I have been hitting it to right field a whole bunch. <laughs> like, no. no that's oh, gee. <laughs> gee, mister. Well, shucks. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you say I've been hitting the ball to right field. Oh, shucks. Yeah, you're right, mister. I don't know why he's like, gee, golly, coach. sir. Yeah, who knows? But, uh, but yeah, no. Um, it's certainly exciting to see. And we've seen Josh Naylor starting to heat up maybe a little bit over the last week. Yeah. Find some power again. Um, man, it just seems like maybe everything's coming together for this team at the right time. It, it really feels that way. And I want to knock on as much wood as possible to uh, ensure that we're not jinxing anything because I am inherently a superstitious person. But, um, you know, it does really feel like there's just a lot of things that are clicking all at once. Um, and, you know, it it could bode for a, you know, longer playoffs thing than what we're, that we're thinking about. You know, when I just think back when we started this podcast and we were like, yeah, a successful season is when we, you know, get some, we figure out some of this log jam in the middle infield. And, you know, now we're like, Oh, we have magic numbers that we're counting down, and guys are having career years and gold gloves and rookie of the years and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, if they hold on to this win tonight, they can go eight and five to finish the season to finish with 90 wins. It's like, whew, that is very, very attainable. And it's like, if you had told me in the beginning of the season that this team was going to debut 16 rookies and threaten to win 90 games, I would have been like, you know, I don't believe you. There's no chance that. Right. Happens. And it's like, like, you know, I think one of my favorite stats that I've learned this year, um, courtesy of Whitting, um, effectively wild, uh, great baseball podcast, Ben Lindbergh and Meg Rowley. Um, there have been 16 teams in Major League history who have been both the youngest pitching team and the youngest hitting team. Um, and only three of them have had winning records. Um, and, and this Guardians team will be uh, number four. Officially, it looks like right. Um, I believe so. So uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't remember their exact record right now. I think if they win today, they're at yeah, they're at eighty-two. So yes, if they hold on today, they will officially be the fourth team to have those qualifiers. Um, but that's really exciting. Incidentally, like one team that was the youngest pitching and youngest hitting team won the World Series. Uh, that was the nineteen seventy Reds, who uh, later on would become the red machine and went two more world series um not saying that's what's gonna happen so uh, you're saying that we're gonna win multiple world series gotcha cool mark it down yeah, yep, yep, this episode down. of the podcast that's where we're at you can uh, you can tattoo that onto your ass <laughs> right right on the right on the the haunch back there yeah so uh and speaking of things that are just completely outlandish uh you mentioned in our discord today uh, Stephen Kwan is the next Juan Soto. Uh, I have that written down here on the notes. Uh, do you want to tell I, me about uh, how you did say this? This was the thing like that you said. That doesn't sound like me. You were uh, you were mentioning uh, Kwan's. Oh gosh, darn it! You wrote it down in the thing. If, oh, oh, that's uh, list of players who swing less frequently than Stephen Kwan. The list is comprised of one and only name, Juan Soto. That is true. I uh, I didn't realize that that would be construed as 
he's saying that Stephen Kwan is the next Nope, one. that's how I took it. That's, um, that's where I was at. That's how I took it. Well, that's on you, my friend. But, um, yeah, yeah, Stephen Kwan is, like, I mean, I'm not breaking any ground here, but he just, like, doesn't swing. He doesn't swing at strikes uh, early in the count unless they're exactly what he's looking for. Like today's home run when he ambushed a first pitch fastball right down the middle from Lance Lynn. Um, he just doesn't swing at first pitches. He doesn't really swing at, you know, tough pitches unless there are two strikes. Um, and he never swings at balls. Uh, uh, so essentially he is, you know, one of the least frequent swingers in Major League Baseball. And, you know, uh, uh, pitchers like when batters swing. When batters swing, batters get out. Uh, so not swinging, you can't get out uh, most of the time when you don't swing. You, you, you can sometimes if you look at it. You can. You can. You can get out if you, you can, just start swinging at all. It's, it's much sure. harder to get out without swinging. If you're swinging at pitchers' pitches, you are very likely to get out. If you are not yes. swinging at those pitches, you are unlikely to get out. So, so that's the point here. Stephen Kwan is very judicious with his swing choices, and it benefits him greatly. Yeah, that, that that sounds that sounds like the Stephen Kwan that we know and love. So yeah, I mean, um, three more hits tonight. Yeah, he's been he's just been I I don't want to say that I, like he needs to be he needs to win the rookie of the year. I just wish there were like I do wish there was more buzz about him nationally, but I also don't begrudge those national writers because like you got. Aaron Judge is going for 60-plus. Otani's out here, you know, getting, like, 12 war by himself. Uh, in, so, I mean, there, there's other things that are happening in baseball. But, you know, just just mention Steve Kwan every once in a while, guys. It's, it's great. He's doing he's doing fantastic things. He really is. And, like, it just is tough because Adley Rutschman and Julio Rodriguez have been so good. You know, really, any other any other season, like Steven Kwan would be a serious contender for, or a no-brainer for the Rookie of the Year. It just so happens that this season right. he is Absolutely. going up against amazing prospects. Yeah, it happens. I think there was some uh, talk on Twitter today that uh, they were comparing Steve Kwan's rookie year with Kenny Lofton's rookie year, which is very high praise, obviously. Um, yeah, no, I saw that. He um, He's, like, close to, you know, the hits record for rookies in the American League. He's actually top 10 in singles um, in Major League Baseball. That sounds, um, that sounds about yeah, right. Yeah. Ahmed Rosario is number one in, in Major League Baseball in singles, by the way. That sounds, that sounds accurate. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I want to do with uh, Ahmed. I... I, I know it's I, it's we're getting late in the podcast and I and I don't want to like throw a whole big thing in here uh, as I'm trying to wrap up on, on some of these, but um, just the Ahmed stuff. I, I Jose loves him, so I want to love him too, but I, I just don't I don't see where he fits in with the organization's path and, and the with the assets that they have. So I don't see how he's going to be a longer term option with getting any kind of an extension. But I also don't see how you're able to you know, disrupt the the locker room, the clubhouse, the way that it, 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 getting rid of Ahmed would be 
you also have to say think that these guys are professionals and it's part of the game and you know whatever Ahmed is going to bring in asset wise is going to help the team you know this year or next year rather uh theoretically so you know you accept a little bit more who knows yeah i mean the problem is they have so many guys um you know that could be better it's not that he's been bad um he's just a very flawed player who's kind of limited in what he can provide bad defensive shortstop um and yeah he's uh he's a good hitter but he's really limited by his approach um so he just like can't be a great player in the major leagues the way he plays the game um but he's he's a good one he's a good player he doesn't turn he doesn't he doesn't make the team worse um you know if they brought him back, back next year it wouldn't be the end of the world um because he is like a pretty solid major league player there um, and you need right. those um, but yeah, it just feels like he's not part of the future. Uh, but the future is now, so I guess he is a part of the future. Yeah, and you know we'll figure this all out when after uh, the team went to World Series. So you know that's where we're at. So, all right. Well, for uh, Doctor Mitch, for myself, uh, I uh, I think we are getting near. We're getting, we're getting towards the uh, the goofy portion of the night. So um, I am going to say. Good evening and good night. Uh, Tristan McKenzie has seven innings pitched, 11 Ks. Maybe he's going out for the eighth. Who knows? Follow along on our Discord. Uh, go to breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. Find all of our things there. Um, and, uh, you know, check in, check in. Get ready for your Gardos, your playoff Gardos. So, all right, guys. Have a good night. Take care. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.